subject of today's episode is a serial torturer and killer, but not a serial killer that terrorized the youth of South Boston in the early to mid-1870s. Luring, kidnapping, and torturing his victims, whose ages ranged from four years old all the way up to eight years old, except for one that stood completely outside his usual M.O., he would strip them, beat them, and stab them for his own sick pleasure. Ten victims in total, putting the Massachusetts community into a frenzy, and all before he himself had even turned 14. Given names like the Boy Torturer, the Boston Boy Fiend, the Demon, the Red Devil, the Boy with the Marble Eye, and later, the most friendless man in the world. He's the youngest person to ever be found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to death in the Commonwealth's history. Today, we give you episode one, of Jesse H. Pomeroy. I'm Kevin Young. And I'm Dan Hergan. And this is Torture. You're in for a treat today, Dan. I know how much yeah. uh, I know how much you love the child torture. <laughs> yeah, big it's, big fan of yeah. that. So that's, go down on record officially as being a big fan. <laughs> so that's kind of our trigger warning. Uh, we've talked before about trigger warnings on the show. We don't really feel like we need to give them because if you're listening to a show called Torture, kind of know what you're in for. But this has a lot of. Uh, this is almost completely just child torture and death and their sexual components so if that's triggering for you this might not be the best two episodes uh for you to really listen but if you don't have a problem with also animals there there's a couple animals that get uh tortured and and killed um we'll kind of breeze through past those as fast as possible but they are there but before we get started uh, i didn't talk about it on the last episode i completely forgot we had sold some merch and, uh, Dan and not and just today. <laughs> no, not just today. Uh, Dan and I had <laughs> talked about this. I talked about it with my wife. So it's very exciting, but not for the reason you'd think it would be. I mean, obviously, it's, it's exciting that we sold uh, some merch. It's always exciting when you, you know people are buying what you're putting out there. Uh, but it's what we sold that really <laughs> makes me smile. Especially as the first item sold. The is. very first thing we've ever sold. It's great. Mm-hmm. So I wake up from my, uh, you know, daily sleep after working nights, and I see I have a notification on my phone. So it's that hey, Redbubble saying, that, hey, you sold your first piece of merch. I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah. I tell him, I was like, hey, we sold some merch. And uh, I go and look at it. And what we sold, our very first piece of merch that we sold, uh, Dan, your, I would say, world-famous catchphrase by now, Sort your fucking uh, yeah, known out. by known by dozens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that if you've gone and looked at our merch, you can get dance cat. You can get sort your fucking life out on t-shirts, 
uh, hats, blanket. I mean, pretty much whatever you, you want, you can get that on there. And we had sold one of those in a heather gray or a dark gray onesie. <laughs> so there's going to be some somebody pushing a stroller with the baby in it with the onesie that says, sort your fucking life out, and I cannot be any happier. Especially the fact that the day this episode comes out, it'll be Mother's Day. And uh, that's it just it just tickles my cockles. <laughs> the funniest part was when you messaged me and said, did you buy this? I was like, no, I did not. <laughs> I was like, did Dad and Dan buy a It's like, somebody bought it. <laughs> and I, now, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I put it on. Put it on. <laughs> now, I don't know if uh, this person is a fan of the show and they went looking for it, um, for our stuff, or if they were just looking through onesies on Redbubble and came across one that says sort your fucking life out and they thought it was funny. Um, but if you are a fan of the show, if you do listen to the show, please, 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 when you get the merchandise in and put it on your baby, please take a picture and send it to us. If you don't want us to post it on social media because you don't want uh, pictures of your baby on social media, completely understand. But I, I got to see this thing. So if you're, list- if you're a listener, please. You can blank please, the face out. So. Send, yeah, you, you can fuzz the face or we can do it, whatever you want. Um, but I got it. I got to see this thing. So that's yeah. that. That's that. I, I want to see it. I think it's. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Yeah, it's great. Um, oh, that's great. I had um, a couple of the guys asking about it too because I sent it into the group chat. Um, yeah. With a couple of like friends and family, and I was like, we sold our first piece of merch, and they're like, oh, congratulations, blah blah blah. I was like, yeah, it was this, and they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like seriously, I was like, yeah. So um, I'm hoping now that they might buy a bit. Hint, hint, guys, if you're listening, because you did ask. Yeah, it's not the worst one they could have bought for a baby. We have some work. So we have some others that they could have got. Um, but I mean, it's good advice. Yeah, yeah, Jill the Ray. <laughs> <laughs> the Jill the Ray one. That would be that would be bad. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be really funny. Yeah. Um. But uh, for all the other, we're, we're about uh, nine um, subscribers away, or followers away on our Instagram for being at 600. So go to our, if, you, if you're a listener, go to our, our Instagram and give us a follow, uh, at TorturePod, and uh, get us to 600. That'd be great. All right, Dan, let's get into it. Uh, the reference material for this series, um, put them out there, are Fiend, the shocking true story of America's youngest serial killer. He's not a serial killer, but okay. By Harold Schechter, probably the, the greatest true crime writer uh, today. Um, the autobiography of Jesse H. Pomeroy, written by Jesse Harding Pomeroy himself. Uh, the life of Jesse Harding Pomeroy by E. Luscombe Haskell. And some extra shit pulled off Murderpedia. So Jesse Harding Pomeroy was born November 29th, 1859 in Charlestown, Massachusetts, the second son to Thomas and Ruth Ann Pomeroy. Now, to say Jesse was unfortunate looking would be apt. Uh, he was born with an oversized... <laughs> That's a kindness. <laughs> I mean, really, uh, he was born with an oversized head, jug handle ears, and a cleft lip. Now, soon after birth, either by viral infections, severe reaction to smallpox vaccination, any number of reasons, his right eye developed a white film over the pupil and iris. 
Some would say that it looked like his eye had a lace curtain over it, so off-putting that many people, including his own father, couldn't stand the sight of him. Poor Jesse. <laughs> I was going to say, I can't stand the sight of him either. Yeah, no. I mean, you can't really, I mean, you can look at old uh, drawings of him, and they don't really put a lot of that in, but if you see pictures of him from when he's older, uh, you can definitely see the filminess of that eye kind of reflect the light or whatever. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of creepy. There's one of the pictures there you can see of him online that I can imagine walking Phoenix playing him in a movie. Yeah. I can I I can see that he he's he was he he did there was something in a, in a TV show or a movie or something like that where I don't remember who plays him but um they put a like a cataract or something in in the eye to make it look like you know he had that film but whatever so now there's a saying murderers aren't born they're made and if that's the case the weight of that burden would be placed solely on the shoulders of Jesse's father, Thomas, a known drunk and fiend that would take his young boys behind their shed, strip them naked, and beat them for seemingly any reason, adding to Jesse's sexual affinity for torture. Uh, the foreshadowing of Jesse's later crimes would come to light fairly quickly. Uh, it was impossible for the Pomeroy family to keep any pets of any kind, uh, so here's that animal stuff I told you about. A pair of canaries Ruth had and loved. One day she came home to have see that their heads were completely twisted off their bodies. Christ All I can think of is Dumb and Dumber <laughs> with the... With yeah, the, yeah. With, pretty bird. Pretty bird. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, around the age of five, Jesse got a hold of the neighbor's kitten which he tortured by stabbing it. And apparently one of the neighbors came up and uh, was like, what the fuck are you doing? And he just kind of looks up at her with this glazed over look saying, this is my kitten. This is how we play. And he's just stabbing the fucking thing with the pen knife. Uh, no word on Jesus. if the cat lived or died, but um, it was apparently covered in blood. So that's it's certainly dead that's, now. Anyway, well, <laughs> I would imagine. Uh, but that's the type of person we're dealing with here. So buckle up, because it doesn't get any better. Um, God, it's like the start of the fucking Halloween remake by fucking, what you call him, Rob Zombie. Oh, Zombie? Yeah. Uh, he's being, yeah, he's going out to the woods and killing animals. and Which, yeah. I think that movie gets a lot more hate than it deserves. The second one was horrible, but the first one gets a lot more hate than it was than I think it deserves. Yeah, the second one's pretty shit. <laughs> yeah, the second one was ridiculous. Now, many dismiss Jesse as being mentally disabled in some form, but he wasn't. He had a decent head on his shoulders, loved to read and to learn. He just didn't give a shit about school or the authority of the teachers, so he skipped school quite often. Now, when he did go to school, he was a bully that liked to torment the other students, especially the younger ones. Uh, he would have sudden outbursts in class and just be generally disruptive. And when it came to playing with the other kids... He pretty much just, well, he didn't. When teams would be picked for games, he would refuse to join either side and just sit by himself, staring blankly into oblivion, absently stabbing his penknife into the ground over and over, sometimes for hours. He also 
ran away from home and would steal money from his and mother's nobody handbag. thought, hey, maybe there's something wrong with this guy. Uh, a lot of people thought that maybe there was something wrong, but nobody thought that he would go to the extremes of what he went to. Everybody just figured he had a bad home life and he was just kind of a loner. And nobody thought he was going to end up doing the shit that he ends up doing. But he was to say, well, yeah, he was a handful, you know. But his mother was one of these women that, you know, their kids are just rotten and they're in complete denial. Like, no, my kid's the best kid in the world. You just don't understand him. Uh, but everybody else is like, this kid's a piece of shit. No, nah, my kid's great. He would never hurt. He would never hurt anybody. She and, and you'll see that throughout the entire story. She's in complete denial of anything bad he could ever do. He's a good boy. Very good boy. So we don't so other than that, <laughs> we don't know. Sounds it anyway. Yeah. We don't know a ton about his childhood. Um, other than, you know, he was kind of an asshole. He was a dick. Yeah. Then we jump up to the day after Christmas, December 26th, 1871, the age of 12. Jesse comes across four-year-old William Payne. Now, the details of what exactly happened are muddy at best, as Jesse never gives a real description, and William was too young and traumatized by the events that unfolded. So later in the day, two men walking on Powderhorn Hill near Chelsea Creek in South Boston, came across a small cabin. Stopping to listen carefully, they heard what can only be really described as a whimper coming from inside. Now, this cabin is less a cabin and more a uh, really big outhouse, honestly, uh, but they call it cabin several times. Um, now, when they entered, they found young William hanging by his wrists from a rope strung up from the center beam in the ceiling, half naked and just barely conscious, his skin had turned a pale blue from the December cold, and his hands purple from the rope. His back was covered in large, painful welts, so the men cut him down, wrapped him in their jackets. Uh, they were able to get him home. His parents called the police, but the only information William could give them was that a big boy with brown hair. That was it. So the police pretty much just crossed their fingers and hoped it was an isolated incident. Maybe just, just some kid having fun took it a little too far. Which, yeah. if he can't give you a good enough description and nobody saw anything, not a whole lot you can do. Uh, but I can guess that. from the theme of this podcast that it was not an isolated incident. <laughs> yeah, so You know, people can say a lot about you, Dan, but you're you're... Smart as a whip, you gang. There you go. <laughs> About see, two I months. pay attention to these things. Pay attention, uh, and you're gonna see like the the the, the times. Um, they start like two to three months, and then the the times between attacks just get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. So he escalates through all of this. It, I mean, it's it's classic. It's classic serial killer technique. But I will get into in the next episode of why Jesse Pomeroy, I believe, is not a serial killer. Serial offender, serial torturer, sure. Serial killer, no. But that's for next episode. So about two months later, February 22nd, 1872, Jesse would come across seven-year-old Tracy Hayden. Now, he asked Tracy if he wanted to go watch some soldiers marching nearby. Jesse took him, again, to Powderhorn Hill, where, when alone, Jesse attacked him. 
He shoved an old handkerchief handkerchief into Tracy's mouth and stripped him naked. He bound him much like he had with William and began punching him, blackening his eyes, breaking his nose, and knocking out his two front teeth. He whipped his back with a switch and then threatened to cut off Tracy's penis. Then he let just whipped left his back with what? A switch. Do you guys not? Is that not? A, that's not a common term in Ireland. I'm guessing uh, a switch is yeah. pretty much just a. Uh, uh, a, a twig or a branch, uh, uh, usually something, something thin that has a lot of bend to it. So when you hit ah. somebody with it, it, it whips. Um, it's it's a favorite of the parents that were born in the 1940s and 50s to use on their kids who were born in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Not so much anymore. I guess so. Um, yeah. But yeah. 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 We but had the, the wooden spoon yeah. and a ruler. We have uh, my my mom had the the wooden spoon. My mom's favorite thing was the wicked slipper. So I found out last night. I guess um, <laughs> using a flip flop. You told me about down that. Down in like Puerto Rico is a big thing. And my wife and I, yeah, yeah my wife and I were talking about. It. I was like, oh, we had the wicked slipper. You know, a hard, hard bottom slipper that was broken in half, so it whipped when it hit you. Fucking hurt something horrible. And she would chase after us around the house. And we'd be screaming, not the wicked slipper. And my man, when she got you, whoo, shit, you'd have like a half crescent just marked. <laughs> just imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> not the wicked slipper. God, it fucking hurt. So we would hide it. We'd steal it from her room and hide it so she couldn't use it. And she would go searching for it. And then we'd, you know. We'd Why do you just dump it? <laughs> get rid of it. I would oh, God, because she would go buy a new one and break it on purpose just to, just to, to or oh, we'd get okay. the spoon, you know. Uh, yeah. Now, my mom didn't really beat us all that much. It was more of a uh, deterrent than anything. But every once in a while, you got her pissed off enough to where she whipped that thing at you. Fuck it, hurt. Uh, anyway. And looking after all that, look uh, at you hosting a tor- torture podcast. Yeah, look at look nothing's at wrong with you whatsoever. <laughs> look at where I spent the past two weeks listening <laughs> over and over to an audiobook about a boy who tortures other boys. <laughs> what yeah. I mean. <laughs> Oh fuck! Just ignore that little twitch. Anybody who's watching from the Patreon, <laughs> it's okay. That's pretty normal for Kevin. <laughs> so the only description Tracy could give to the police was that it was a teenage boy with brown hair. That that's it. So so far they have two instances: teenage boy with brown hair attacking young boys. Sounds like a pattern to me. Oh, it does. It, it seems like he, he has a, a specific M.O., whoever this yeah. horrible Detective man. Dan is on the case here. I see what's <laughs> happening. So three months later, May 20th, Jesse comes across eight-year-old Robert Mayer. Now, Jesse offered Robert something no young boy could resist. A chance to Sweet. see a circus. <laughs> a chance to see a circus. Uh, oh. Jesse... Again, took the boy to Powderhorn Hill. You would think by now they'd have somebody staking out Powderhorn Hill, but yeah, whatever. Uh, after uh, after failing to push Robert into a pond, Jesse punched him hard in the side of the head and dragged him to an outhouse. Shoved a milk bottle cork in his mouth, stripped him naked, tied him to a post, and began whipping him with a clothesline and beating him with a large stick. He then... He then <laughs> Just find a random object to shove in her mouth. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know where he got the milk cork bottle from. I don't know if the milk bottle cork from. I don't know if he brought it with him or if it was just laying on the ground, which is gross, but okay. Uh, 
But he did. He took the cork out of Robert's mouth and forced him to say bad words like shit, prick, and kiss my ass. You know, the three, the three big ones. Such a ball boy, Jesse. <laughs> but... <laughs> do do that. <laughs> it's like uh, Chris Parnell in Anchorman. Poop. Full poop. Poop head. Yeah. Ron, you poop. <laughs> or just uh, <laughs> did a Chris Pratt story about his son swearing when they were out fishing. Oh, God, yes. That's great. See, it's, uh, it's so funny. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to... Uh, who hasn't seen uh, it, look it up. Yeah, it's, it's from the Graham Norton show. It, it's, a fun, it's funny, but I'm... Yeah. yeah. We're not going to tell you. Um, but this attack would be a little different than the past two. Because with the vulgarity, Jesse for the vulgarity that Jesse was forcing Robert to spew, Jesse started to become more and more excited. If you get my drift. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, he started uh-huh. rubbing him. Mm, he started rubbing himself through his overalls. Now, after a few minutes, Jesse let out a large moan and then seemed to calm down, as we all do. Ha! <laughs> Rolled over, went to sleep. <laughs> you were great. I got work in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> no, time to, no time to cuddle or talk. Uh, but he cut, he cut Robert free and let him go, telling him he would kill him if he told the police, which Robert almost immediately did. Which is good advice. If somebody tells you, don't tell the police or I'll come after you and your family, just go fucking tell the police. Just do it anyway. Because if they're going to come after you and your family, they would have done it already. So just go do it. Yeah, unless it's, unless it's Tony Chicken Cacciatore who come after <laughs> months later. Oh, Billy Bolognese. <laughs> yeah. uh, nobody understands what we're talking about quite yet, but you will uh, hopefully eventually. Um, so a terror went through the community. Not too long from now. Um, I think she said middle of June, end of June, something like that. So, you know, eh, a month and a half or so, probably. Uh, a terror went through the community. Parents now fearing the man that was attacking their boys. Somehow the teenager with brown hair became a pale skinned man with fiery red hair, a pointed chin and a wispy red beard. Obviously an image of a demon or the devil himself. So they told their sons to watch out for the demon figure, even though it was almost the exact opposite of what Jesse looked like. Jesse had a big old round head, brown hair and a cleft lip. And they're like, oh, you got to look for a guy with a pointy chin and red hair and a little beard. It's like, no. Satanic panic, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say it sounds like a really crappy Santa. (laughs) It's Krampus. Yes. July 20th, 1872, Jesse's father, Thomas, went into one of his rages. Uh, Jesse ran away from home after a particularly bad argument between the two. Thomas tracked Jesse down, dragged him back to the home and up to his room, stripped him naked, and flogged him mercilessly. This was the last straw for Ruth. She went into her own rage against Thomas, coming after him with a kitchen knife and chasing him out of the house. Thomas ran out cursing, telling her that the boys were her problem now, and the divorce wasn't long after. And that's pretty much the last we ever see of Thomas Pomeroy. He's pretty much gone after that. Which, I mean, good riddance. Uh, it's kind of a, a weird thing to happen back then, though. Yeah. Um, out of out of all the, the, the marriages, the millions of marriages that were going on back then, 
only get about 10,000 divorces a year, which is a very low number. So it was it was kind of odd. But, I mean, she did what you should do. If a guy's beating up your kid, chase him with the kitchen knife out of your house. That's it. That or yeah. the, the old slipper. <laughs> Just chase him with a wicked slipper. Or switch. Either one. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, so just two days after that, <laughs> run after him with a light switch. That's bad, my head. <laughs> <laughs> he said it was a switch. I was like, "The hell's he talking about a switch?" A switch. Yeah, I say like, he was running just after him like with a light switch. Wall. You know, just, just hitting him with the corner, hitting him with the corner, <laughs> sitting it in his ear. <laughs> that annoying you yet? <laughs> or it's a dimmer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just two days later, Jesse would come across his fourth victim, seven-year-old Johnny Bulk, offering him two bits for running an errand for him. And since Jesse looked nothing like the demon figure he had been told to watch out for, Johnny agreed. Jesse led him again to Powderhorn Hill. Jesse grabbed him by the collar and pushed him into an outhouse, telling Johnny that if he made a sound, he would kill him. Jesse then stripped him naked, bound his wrists together, and hung him from a ceiling beam. Then began to beat Johnny with his belt, first on his back, then on his thighs, then his ass, and saving his genitals for last. The beating lasted for about 10 minutes until Jesse finally reached, you know, the big O. Climax. Out of breath. (laughs) Out of breath. Jesse let the boy loose and told him, quote, if you ever leave this place, I will come back and slit your throat. Actually, no. You know what? He's from Boston. If you ever leave this place, I will come back and slit your throat. <laughs> it sounded like Richard Nixon there. Oh, it sounded like JFK. But <laughs> With my cockies. <laughs> if you ever leave this place. <laughs> well, actually, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it was JFK. Sorry, I was thinking of. You're right. Yes. He's from Boston. He's from Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, that, that's hilarious. <laughs> So Not a Johnny corp. <laughs> I parked my car in the Harvard yard. So Johnny laid there for the next Cockies. couple hours, sobbing until a man came across him. Uh, the man carried him to the police. After this attack, there was a $500 reward put forth for the capture of what they were calling now the boy torturer. Now that would be just over $12,500 today. So. Not a bad haul if you know, you know, who it is. Yeah. Now this was, yeah. Though this was one very Ruth, apt name. So it's a bit of a double entendre. The boy torturer because he boy tortures torture. boys, and he is a boy, tor- and he is a boy mm. who tortures. Yeah. Of course, at, at the time go. they they were telling everybody it was a full grown man. Oh yeah, with the red wispy beard. Yeah. So this was when Ruth knew to just get the fuck out. Um. Depending on what you read and who you read, some people thought, well, she knew it was Jesse, but didn't want to come to terms with the fact that it was Jesse, so she decided to leave and hopefully it would stop. Or she didn't think it was Jesse, but she didn't want him to get tortured either, so they moved away. Whatever you want to think, I don't know. She's long dead, so we can't ask her. But she knew, after all this shit, it was time to, to get the fuck out of town. Um, things were too chaotic. Things were too chaotic in uh, the Chelsea area where they lived with this boy torture out and about. Um, and now she was a single mother with two boys. So she needed 
better arrangement. So she decided it was time to move. So on August 2nd, 1872, they packed up their belongings and moved to a small frame house at 312 Broadway in South Boston. Coincidentally, the crimes of the boy torturer would follow them. What? <laughs> I know. You mean Surprise. the boy torturer decided to follow the family? Yeah. He's somehow stalking them. That's what it is. It's like an evil spirit following them along. <laughs> Nothing to do with her sweet, sweet, innocent boy, Jesse. <laughs> it's just a coincidence. Yeah. Obviously, just a coincidence. I mean, we didn't have anything to do with it. They moved the same time we did. Just two weeks later, on August 17th, 1872, Jesse found seven-year-old George Pratt wandering along the South Boston shoreline looking for little treasures that might be washing up. Now, just like with Johnny Balk, he offered, he offered George money to run an errand. George agreed, and Jesse took him to a boathouse where, just like Johnny, he punched him hard in the side of the head. Then he shoved a dirty handkerchief in his mouth, stripped him naked, and bound his hands and ankles with a cord. Now, for some reason, Jesse then said, quote, You have told three lies, so I'm going to lick you three times. I have no fucking what? clue <laughs> what the hell he is talking about. What three lies there were. The, the, the <laughs> lick you three times as, as he's going to beat him three times. I get that. But I have no idea what fucking lies he's talking about. It's... Uh, it, I, I don't know. That's just hilarious, though. <laughs> I'm going to lick now, you, boy. <laughs> if he would have actually started licking him, then that would have been... I mean, obviously, licking him is not quite as bad as beating him. But that would have been really fucking weird. But... <laughs> I don't know what lies he's talking about. I think he's just making shit up as he goes. So He's looking for an excuse to do it. That's all that yeah, is. Well, uh, yeah, but why he would come up with that, I, I, don't, I don't know. Might just be deranged. Might be any sort of thing going on in yeah, the guy's maybe, head. Where yeah. he maybe he's just taught. fucking crazy. Maybe he's just yeah. fucking crazy. Not insane, yeah, usually the, but crazy. Yeah, like usually the kind of easiest and most obvious explanation... Is, is the key here. <laughs> he's a Why? fucking Looney Tunes. <laughs> Why would you do that? Because he's an asshole. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So Jesse took off his belt uh, while doing a little dance, apparently, like I'm doing. Oh, yeah. It's business time. Did you ever see that? Flight of Concords. Business time. It's like a trip over my socks and to turn it on to a sexy dance. So That's a show I've never actually gotten around to watching. I know it's hilarious. I've heard it's hilarious, yeah. but I've never actually gotten around to watching that show. Just, just, just look up business time. It's then you see why that reminded me of it. Okay. <laughs> and the little sex, the little dance. <laughs> but anyway, so with all these other kids, he was just whipping them with the the leather end of the belt. But this time, he decided to whip him with the buckle end, doing um, I, don't know, I imagine more damage with the, the metal gotcha. at the end of the belt. Um, then he began to kick George in the head and in the legs. He scraped down the boy's torso hard with his dirty fingernails. Then, in an obvious excel, uh, escalation, Jesse bit a piece of flesh out of George's cheek. Jesus. I think he yeah. is Mike Tyson. Like, That's exactly Christ. what I was thinking. Yeah. 
He was constantly slapping George to keep him awake because George was passing out from shock or from blood loss or whatever. So Jesse's just slapping him, calling him a bastard. And then he started stabbing him in the arms and the chest with a long sewing needle that he just happened to be carrying on him. Then he stabbed George in the wounded cheek and then in the groin. That's not cool. No, it's not. Jesse. Like, dude, dude. That's not cool. You need to know when to stop. Like. <laughs> you took it too far, man. Too far. Yeah. Yeah. But then, Jess, then Jesse went for George's eye, pressing his finger against George's lids to pry them open, going for, he was going, he was wanting to stab out the white of his eyes. Now, luckily for George, his eyelids were slippery from sweat, tears, and blood, and Jesse couldn't get to the eye in time. George rolled over to keep Jesse from his face. So Jesse bit off a piece of an ass cheek. What? <laughs> God. You think the guy's from alive now? I don't know. He, I mean, this is he's taking it to a he's taking it to a whole new level. Uh <laughs> Jesse like, ran off. It's, it's just really funny if you think about it. It's like roll away from me, huh? I'm gonna bite your ass off. <laughs> Jesse ran off soon after and left George tied up on the ground. He would be found a few hours later by a fisherman. Uh, Now, this was the last straw for many, and there was talk of a vigilante group forming to find and punish the boy torturer. Everyone was under the assumption that this had to be a dim-witted boy doing these horrible things. So every boy that was seen as slow or mentally handicapped was round up and questioned. However, Jesse was neither of these things. He was a piece of shit, he was an asshole, but he was far from dumb and definitely not mentally handicapped. Mentally disturbed, but not mentally handicapped. You need to look for somebody who has a piece of ass flesh in between their teeth <laughs> at that stage. Like, that's what you gotta go looking for. Let me smell your breath. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, his breath smells like ass. Must be that guy. Dan, I have a confession to make. I have... Crabs. Beard dandruff. It's close. (gasps) So much worse. I know. Look away, I'm hideous. All serious. All... All serious. (laughs) All serious. All serious. Me serious now, no funny. (laughs) Frankenstein, no fire. Bad! Ah. In all seriousness, many of us men with facial hair have some sort of dry skin under their face fur. I I have particularly dry skin, uh, especially on my face, around my nose, my eyes, ears. That beard and mustache, they draw a ton of moisture from your skin in order to stay healthy, leaving the skin underneath sometimes dry, itchy, red, flaky, leading to uh, the beard dandruff. And I struggled with it for quite a while. Struggled to, you know, rein it in. Then I found thebeardstruggle.com. They use all natural products, never tested on animals, that your face, body, and beard will love. They have day oils to protect your beard from UV rays and dirt and grime, and it keeps your skin from drying out. 
all the troubles the day can bring. And they have night oils to help moisturise and rejuvenate your skin and beard while you sleep. Not to mention, as of right now, they have eight different fragrances. <laughs> according to Kevin, according to this. That's what they tell me. That's what they tell yeah. me. Do you want to know what they are? I do. I want you to Ready? I want you to pronounce them perfectly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here we go. Ready? Okay. Yeah. From Alfheim's Forest, which has the scent of woodsy leather and spices, to Heoneer's Home, <laughs> scents of greenery, amber, and musk, to Valhalla's Gates. With essences of citrus, amber, sandalwood, and vanilla. Mm. And right now, yes, right now I'm using the Aesir's Triumph, which I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, which has the scent of sweet incense, tobacco, whiskey, and cinnamon. And my wife absolutely loves it. Of course, I haven't gotten one from them they haven't loved, that she hasn't loved. So, And if you can't choose, just get the sample pack, which comes with six of their mainstay scents and five milliliter bottles of nighttime elixir, so you can decide what is best for you. But they have so much more than just oils. Balms, wax, shampoo, conditioner, butters, cologne, natural deodorant, skincare products, heated beard straighteners, combs, brushes, shaving kits, growth kits, merch, list goes on and on and on. No matter what kind, length, or style of facial hair you have, the Beard Struggle has the products you need. You get a free gift for purchases over $50, and you get another free gift for purchases over $100, and all orders over $65 US get free shipping. You have a 90-day money-back guarantee, so you really have nothing to lose. And be sure to use our exclusive coupon code TORTURE19 at checkout to get 19% off your entire order. That's T-O-R-T-U-R-E-19 at checkout for 19% off your entire order. TORTURE19 at checkout or click on the link in the show notes. TheBeardStruggle.com. Do what's right for your beard. Do what's right for your face. So just three weeks later, September, I told you, the, the time is getting shorter and shorter. Uh, just three weeks later, September 5th, 1872, Jesse kidnapped six-year-old Harry Austin and took him under a railroad bridge. Now, like all the others, he stripped him naked and beat him. But unlike the others, this time he took out a pocket knife and started stabbing him with it uh, under each arm and between the shoulder blades. Now, while Harry laid bleeding and crying, Jesse then started to <clears throat> prepare yourself. Cut off Harry's penis. Not cool, bro. <laughs> Dan's just, Dan's no. just silent. <laughs> He's like, nope. I'm sitting here with my legs crossed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, don't like it. Don't like it. Nope. Nah. Not me. No, I just had this mental image as well when you were saying about stabbing them under the arms. Like, I, I, I just kind of just thought of, like, you know, up in, in the armpit. I think that's like, where it was, really yeah. yeah. right up into the outside. That sounds real bad. But, like... Yeah, it does not... I mean, it, it it's, like, the worst place to get a tattoo. So, if getting a tattoo there sucks, I can imagine getting stabbed with uh, yeah. a pen knife or pocket knife uh, would be, you know, maybe a little worse. So, we went from literally eating ass to <laughs> cutting off... Penises, penises in a matter of weeks. Three weeks. Three weeks. Um, fortunately, 
before we get too upset. Fortunately, the attack was interrupted by some people who were walking by, and Jesse ran off before he could finish the job. No idea on how close he actually got to cutting it completely off. I don't know if he just, like, started to saw on it or something, and people, some, somebody walked by, if he got partial way through it, if he just started, you know, left a scar. I have no idea. But um, this kind of becomes a thing, just so you know. It, this this will not Four be guys the first time. around like that. <laughs> just kind of flapping. <laughs> Poor fucking kid. Apparently hanging on there. God damn it. Well, I mean, you would hope that they would sew. If it was, if it was hanging off, they'd sew it back on. Um, I don't know if he'll be able to use yeah, it anymore because, again, this is the 1870s. And I was going to say, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> Imagine uh, walking into into the <laughs> into the hospital with a bag of ice. <laughs> Same to sit down. <laughs> so, can you do anything we... about that? Yeah. Oh, we could. We could. I mean, no. <laughs> can't. Like, this is the eighteen seventies. We can't do anything about it. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, poor fucking kid. Could probably sellotape it back on or something stupid. Yeah. Put leeches on it. Give him cocaine yeah. about it or something. It's okay. It'll grow back. It's all good. <laughs> Now, just six days later, on the 11th, Jesse lured seven-year-old Joseph Kennedy to a vacant boathouse near the marshes of South Boston Bay. He slammed Joseph's head against the wall and stripped him naked and began to beat him, breaking his nose and knocking out his teeth. Then he took out his knife and made Joseph kneel and recite, and you might get a kick out of this, Dan, Made him cite a vulgar rendition of the Lord's Prayer. Oh yeah, that's yeah. the best kind. Uh, but it's it's only the best when you don't have a knife to your throat, when you're doing it for fun. Ah, that's very true. Yeah, that's very well, true. There's somebody gnawing on your anus. <laughs> <laughs> so Joseph refused. He's like, I'm not gonna do that. Fuck off. And uh, so Jesse started slashing him with his knife in the face, over the eyes, and in the back. And then he took Joseph down to the marsh and started dousing his wounds in salt water while laughing. Oh, oh yeah, I know. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I know. That's real bad. Yeah. Like. I think, And I think that's something that everybody can kind of uh, understand the feeling of. Um, especially with this whole going through COVID thing for the past few years, everybody was using a lot of hand sanitizer and you realize all the little nicks and cuts you have on your hands when you start using hand sanitizer. Oh, <laughs> uh, especially the cat owners out there yes. <laughs> know what it's like. Yes. Oh my God. I remember walking into like a supermarket thing, whatever. And I didn't realize I had so many little cuts because uh-huh. our first cat, Sooty was only a kitten at the time and he's doing that whole bunny kick thing your hands and uh-huh. playing with them and i remember putting this stuff on my hands and just standing there kind of <laughs> just in rage and agony just like, well i i worked for a while for uh fedex and i got i got a number of cardboard cuts um from there and uh i work now actually making pop, uh, cardboard boxes at a factory and I get a lot of paper cuts there. So I know all about putting hand sanitizer or washing my hands in soap. And uh, just it just oh, yeah. it burns so fucking bad. So I can't imagine slashes all over your face, your eyes, your back, and get them doused in salt water. God damn it. That that was one of the – because I yeah, can usually get through all nice. this stuff um, 
fairly easy without too much of a, you know. But that one, that one was like, oh, God, oh, just the burning. It's kind of like, it's like if you've ever had a wound that was big enough that just the air touching it alone yes. made it more painful. That's, uh-huh. yeah. When Try uh, that times 10 yeah. <laughs> because of the salt. We, uh, my wife, when we first started going to her, the neurologist she goes to, they uh, were doing some skin biopsies. And they asked me if I wanted to have one done. Uh, yes, we were at the doctor so long, I ended up having a procedure for my wife's appointment. Uh, but they asked. Nice. Um, they, said, they said they were doing a study, and they, they needed skin biopsies from people with small fiber neuropathy, which my wife has. Uh, and they needed skin from people who didn't have it. So they could, you know, have a control and, you know. And uh, I had always told my wife if I could trade places with her, do what she's doing, I would. So I, you know, I can't back out now. So it's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And uh, they took a little, just a little pea-sized hole out of my leg of skin. And I couldn't take a shower without wanting to cry for about a month. Because <laughs> it's not just that top layer of skin. They take all the skin and you just got meat hanging out. It fucking hurt. So goddamn bad. And this was just regular yeah. shower water with soap. I can't imagine getting fucking salt water on it. You imagine now if that was in your ass. Like <laughs> that your... poor kid. <laughs> yeah. Or half your penis. Yeah. <laughs> or, both. or both. We don't know what happened. Never know. Now, another six days went by. And on the 17th, Jesse Lurd, five-year-old Robert Gould, near uh, some railroad tracks in South Boston, with the promise to see soldiers in a parade. For some reason, kids back then were all excited about seeing soldiers parade around because that's how he got a lot of the kids to follow him. He's like, you want to see some soldiers? It's like, oh, yeah, let's go see some soldiers. Um, again, this was just after the Civil War, so, or, you know, or actually, yeah, it was after, it was a little after the Civil War. Yeah, Boston was a major naval area as well, wasn't it? Yeah, so I, I guess I could see it. Now, when they got alone, after a very long hike, Jesse stripped him and beat him, tied him to a pole, and began dancing around Robert, saying curse words and slashing at his scalp, under his eyes, and behind his ears, covering his face in blood. Jesse then placed the uh, knife to Robert's throat and told him, quote, You will never see your mother and father anymore, you dirty little bastard, for I am going to kill you. Or, you will never see Jesus. your mother and father anymore, you dirty little bastard. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. Who the fuck All are you? All fans in Massachusetts are going, what the fuck? What the fuck is that? That is not what I yeah, sound that, like. My, my, no one's, my one's worse, so. No more Garciapara. <laughs> you don't know uh, sound but... like Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> you guys. My God, the Transformers. The Transformers, guys. Yes. Who the fuck? Who the <laughs> fuck are you? <laughs> That's my favorite thing ever. Is the uh, the Departed, the the folk version, where it's just all yeah. the swear was like fuck, fuck, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck me, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Now you can feel better because I was the plant- a worse Boston accent. You're telling me the plants are trying to kill us. The happening. It- <laughs> Great premise, horrible movie. Uh, anyway. Oh, such a bad movie. <laughs> That's severe. The premise, the, uh, for a movie a called premise. The Happening, nothing happens. Nothing happens. Why can I get you? The la- severe lack of happening is what it I should mean, be the, called because it is fucking terrible. So the death scenes are really good. I like the death grass. scenes. Grass? Who gives a fuck about grass? 
The That's a double scene. reference right there, people. <laughs> the acting is horrible. The 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 premise is good, but he he falls flat. Yeah. Now before Jesse could actually slice Damn you, <laughs> before Jesse could actually slice Robert's throat open, three railroad workers started to approach. So Jesse again took off. Now they found Robert there and carried him to a police station. Where this differed from the other attacks is Robert was he able had his to whole ass him. left over. <laughs> and his he wasn't missing a piece. Of, yeah. Uh, Damn it, we Ro- can't compare the dental records. We have no way of proving that this is the same person. <laughs> Robert was actually able to give them an actual description of his attacker, specifically what Robert called an eye like a milky or a milk white marble. So now, instead of looking for the quote-unquote boy torturer or the demon of South Boston, they were looking for the boy with the marble eye, which is much more descriptive than just some boy with brown hair. Yeah. Yeah, that's a bit better. <laughs> it's even better than the the red demon, the yeah, whiskey the beard dude. looks absolutely nothing like him. Yeah. Yeah. Now, over the next few days, the police went school to school, class to class, to seek out this boy with the marble eye. So it was only a matter of time before they walked into Jesse's class. Now, the morning of Friday, Friday, September 20th, 1872, Officer Bragdon walked in with seven-year-old Joseph Kennedy. They would have rather had Robert Gould, but he was still recovering from his many wounds, and his parents would not allow him to leave bed. Which, honestly, is probably the right thing to do. I mean, you you can't blame the parents. Uh, You want him to go catch the person, but, I mean, he's got cuts and slashes all over. He just went through a horrible experience. You know, stay in bed. So little Joseph was the next best thing. But when they entered the classroom, Jesse put his head down and tried not to be noticed. And it worked. The teacher even said, Jesse, put your head up so they could see you. And he kind of put his head up, but he kept his eyes down, so his eyelids were kind of covering his eyes a little bit. And mm-hmm. Johnny Johnny actually walks, or Joseph, not Johnny, Joseph actually walks up to Jesse and looks at him, but because he couldn't really see the eye, he said, no, that I, don't, I still don't see him. And they left. So technically, it worked. Uh Joseph told the officer he wasn't there. (laughs) They went to another class. So it would seem that Jesse was lucky, just barely dodging this brush with the law. Now, you would think you would take this as a win. You would think maybe you lay low for a while, or at least you do your best to avoid any police officers for as long as possible. Because that is what a normal sane person would do but not our jesse but not our jesse that day after school he actually went to the police station and looked inside now this might sound a little like a crazy thing to do which it it is it's completely insane uh he's not insane he's crazy but this is an insane thing to do but it's not out of the norm for psycho and sociopaths. Many serial killers or career criminals in general go back to the scene of the crime 
or interject themselves in the case. Um, joining in on search parties, uh, people who yeah, kill. Yeah, yeah, it's very and, common. And, though. Yeah, very common. Uh, going back and shopping at the same store you just robbed. Very common thing to do. Ed Kemper loved to sit and talk with cops at bars while he was committing these crimes. Tell them the things that they needed to do to help them find whoever was killing this person, uh, these, 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 these girls. Uh, Gacy actually invited the detectives that were staking him out into his house while he had 29 bodies in his cellar. That's Albert Fish Baldy Albert, right there. Albert Albert Fish met with the parents of the girl he massacred. BTK was constantly sending letters and packages to the police, uh, which has ended up what got him caught. Uh, Zodiac demanded that his letters be printed in the paper. Uh, the thought of almost getting caught or playing this cat and mouse game with the authorities is like a prerequisite for being a career criminal or a serial killer or an almost serial killer, which Jesse will be. It just goes along with their mental instability and that, that thrill seek that they want. You know. I was going to say, yeah, it gives them a real sure or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's like uh, people who like to have sex in public. It's that rush of, you know, almost getting caught. It, it amps everything up. Yeah. Well, as we've learned now, Jesse seems to like a bit of that. Yeah. So. It would seem like it. Yeah. So Jesse got lucky once in his classroom, but he would not get lucky twice. He walked in and saw Officer Bragdon and little Joseph Kennedy, and he immediately turned and walked back out. But it was too late. About a block down the road, a strong hand grabbed Jesse by the shoulder. Officer Bragdon had seen him pop in and pop out and chased him down. He brought Jesse back to the station and put him face to face with little Joseph. And with one look, Joseph exclaimed, quote, That's him. I know him by his eye. And Jesse was taken straight to a cell where he was interrogated, yelled at, and threatened for hours. Uh, Jesse, obviously. Good. Good. Now, Jesse obviously denied the charges. Um. They eventually got in contact with Ruth. With Ruth, she obviously denied the charges as well. Oh, my my boy's a good boy. He would never hurt anybody like that, you know. Um, but they wouldn't. She wanted to come down to the police station and see see him, uh, and they wouldn't let her. And that seems problematic, even for Jesse Pomeroy. His mom should be able to come see him. Uh, they wouldn't let anybody see him other than police, other than authority. Uh, he he doesn't really ask for a lawyer, but the, uh, uh, lawyers aren't really allowed back there for a while either. They, they kind of did all this on their own, which is problematic. Again, 1870s, but still, not that's not cool. Nah, nah, it's a bit stupid. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why, like, I know, like, the whole way the justice system works and all that, that's just going to open them up for possible lawsuits bad things yeah and yeah, lost, things getting thrown well, out if that was happen if that would happen today any lawyer worth uh, a dime would get the entire case thrown out because they you know harassed a 14 year old without you know consulting letting the parent talk to them without giving them a lawyer um today 
That yeah, okay. It should. Well, I'm sorry, but look at making a murderer with those guys with your man, that yes. young lad, yes. who yes. you That's can see I'm... clear as day is shoved into a room. <laughs> That's why I'm saying it. And still uh, changing. I'm I'm changing my statement. It should. Yeah. yeah. Get should. it thrown out. Yeah. It should be a complication. Unfortunately, um, it's not always, but. That has to do with crime justice uh, reform, which I don't see happening here anytime soon, but whatever. So they, they berated him for a few hours with, with questions, um, and then they let him go to sleep uh, until about midnight when they woke him up and told him that if he didn't confess, that he would go to jail for 100 years, which also seems very problematic, just threatening the kid with, with something like that. But seemed to work because Jesse finally broke down and confessed. That morning, five of the victims were brought in and confirmed that it was indeed Jesse that tortured them. Now, later that day, the, the, the long arm of the law worked a lot faster back then than it does now because an arraignment would usually take a while, grand jury, all this would take a, take a long time for all this shit to happen. This was boom, boom, boom because he was arraigned later that day. Uh, Ruth Obviously, still in denial, still putting up a big stink, saying my boy didn't do anything wrong. But Jesse was sentenced to be housed in the Massachusetts House of Reformation at Westboro for the rest of his adolescence. Now, he was 12 at the time, so this meant about six years until he turned 18. Jesse goes to the, the House of Reformation, and he's pretty close to the model inmate. Um, not going to get too much into the school itself. Harold Schechter goes into great detail about the school, which you don't really need to understand the story. But it, it was like it was like a prison for kids, pretty much. Uh, you work about eight hours a day, then you do about three hours of school, and then you get them an hour and a half of free time, uh, entertainment time, before, you know, lights out. Yeah. Most of the boys there were nonviolent offenders. Uh, you know, runaways, stealing stuff, simple thing. So when Jesse shows up with his long rap sheet, he almost immediately becomes someone to fear, especially the younger kids. The older kids kind of picked on him a little bit, but Jesse never does anything. He, he doesn't beat anybody up. He doesn't torture anybody. He doesn't get in fights. None of that stuff. He's Again, pretty much the perfect inmate. Um, because, again, he wasn't as stupid as people wanted to think he was. He understood that in order to get out before his 18th birthday, he had to at least act like Be he good. was being reformed. Yeah. Yeah. So he would tattle on the other boys that attempted to talk. Uh, that attempted or talked about attempting a breakout, um, even when there was uh, uh, there was an open do a door that was left unlocked, and a bunch of kids just ran out the door and tried to escape. He was one of the only ones that sat there and waited, and didn't move. <laughs> Everybody else got brought back in, got in trouble, got punished. Which the punishes punishments were flogging. Usually, you get taken to the prince, you know, to the office or whatever, and you got beat. Um, what a switch. Just, yeah, well, it was probably a paddle, I would imagine. Big old paddle with holes drilled in it for, you know, aerodynamics. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> eventually, they trusted Jesse so much 
that they made him a hall monitor. With the set. He was a fucking <laughs> narc. Jesse, he turned into yeah, yeah, a fucking narc. To fucking rat. Yeah. And <laughs> like, like, yeah, why give. Oh, I don't know. I guess How back then he would. Like that in your responsibility? Back then he would have been a stool pigeon, I guess. Ah, you're right, stool pigeon. Tattle on me. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> so he was never punished the whole time he was there. However, he did love to hear about how the other boys were punished. When they would go and they would get flogged and come back, he'd be like, ooh, tell me, how did it feel? What did they do <laughs> to you? Yeah? Uh, did they strip, Did you take pants off when they did it? Did they just beat your ass? What did they do? Uh, he loved hearing about it. Fucking weirdo. <laughs> kind of. Well, his his bloodlust, his undeniable bloodlust, had obviously not been stamped out just by being at this uh, Reformation house. Yeah, so he's kind of... Uh... Was it? What's the word I'm trying to think of? Like living kind of vicariously, vicariously through, yeah, like through exactly. their through the other people's it, punishments. Exactly. Um, one day, just to prove that his bloodlust was still uh, very high, one day a teacher found a snake in the garden and asked Jesse if he could kill it. Um, probably thinking he was going to grab a shovel, cut its head off, or something. Just just something quick, simple, painless. You know, Jesse jumped up grabbed a stick, and began hitting it. Quote, working himself up into a kind of frenzy as he reduced the writhing creature to an awful, oozing pulp. Yeah, and they still don't see anything wrong with him there now. Like... I was waiting for a response from Dan, and it took him a few seconds to... <laughs> to kind of absorb yeah it's, it's like the fact that they're, they're trusting this guy like you know it's it's like oh, this guy's all right he just uh tortured people bit their asses cut off their penises but you know, we can make him a hall monitor and it's like first thing they ask him to do is hey look take care of this animal okay bop, 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 bop. well like people the people who run these types are the same people who run the like the uh the wilderness retreats for wayward boys and shit like that um, the troubled teen industry, they think that what they're doing is actually helping. And they see him being good. They see him um, telling the others that, uh, you know, telling the authorities that these boys are wanting to, to escape or they are escaping, Not him not escaping himself, him not getting any fights. So they're, in their minds, they're thinking, oh, we're doing a pretty fucking good job. Look at, look at this kid. He came in here torturing people. Now he doesn't do anything. It's like, hey, kill that snake for me. And you would think watching him do that, yeah. he'd be like, um, maybe not, but no, I mean, these people, people are full of themselves. Well, with Jesse's good behavior, there began talks of letting him out of his sentence. Um, not a good idea, bad idea. Shouldn't do that. But, you know, uh, a state investigator visited the Pomeroy home and found Mrs. Pomeroy to be a hardworking, honest and caring woman. Charles Pomeroy, Jesse's older brother, was also considered an upstanding citizen. He had a very large paper route, and he was, when he wasn't delivering newspaper, he actually ran a newspaper stand outside his mother's dress shop. Ruth, they, they moved. Um, there, right across the street, there was a little building that had some shops in it. She rented out one side of the ground floor and started making dresses and selling them. And he decided inside, cool. yeah, decided in, inside this dress shop, kind of open a little newspaper stand, 
had a very, again, very large newspaper route to a point where it actually took a couple people to run it. Uh, They were doing very well for themselves. But the Pomeroys promised that if, if they let Jesse out, he would work at the newsstand and at the dress shop. Uh, Ruth was determined to keep a closer eye on her young son, whose behaviors, the investigators believe, were the result of his lack of supervision. They're like, you know why he's torturing kids? Because you're just not keeping an eye on him. That's, that's all it is. <laughs> all Severe these lack other of kids, wicked slippers. Yeah, all these other kids who their parents keep an eye on him, if they weren't keeping an eye on him, they would obviously go torture little children. But because they're a ho- uh, two-parent home, uh, you know, they don't. Yeah, yeah, stability. Try to cut and all off that. Yeah, of course. Bite yeah. off ass cheeks. I've seen it a million times. Yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say I'm surprised he didn't also get the nickname the Boston Butt Biter or something <laughs> like that. That'd be, be gonna triple B. But yeah, it's it's obviously a severe lack of, you know. Well, they were fully convinced home. that he came from uh, a broken home. You know, his dad was an alcoholic and a fiend, and now the mom was raising both boys by herself, that uh, he he was having issues from all that. And she just needed to keep a better eye on him. Um, but she's like, yeah, sure, if that's what you think's wrong, I'll keep, a, I'll keep a real close eye on him. He'll be here every day with me. Just let my kid come home, um, which I think most parents would, would do the same. So even though Jesse had done some horrible things, the police in South Boston precinct, precinct look to leniency, which is kind of weird. Uh, The captain said, quote, it isn't best to be down on a boy too hard or too long. Give him a chance to redeem himself, which is the original purpose of these types of punishments. It's it's not to punish them forever. It's to, you know, get it to where, you know, they're not doing this shit anymore. Even with prison, there's no point in locking someone away for their entire life or put them to death. If they can be reformed, do so so they can become a productive member of society that's just not usually what happens you know putting people in jail for their life because they sold some weed um yeah or stole a loaf of bread from a post office yeah yeah or a kid spending three years in a prison because he he was suspected of stealing a book bag that that shit happens and it should not but no and then people spend months behind bars for sexual assault and other some things. People don't spend, some people don't spend any time in prison for any sexual time. assault. And in fact, in this country, you could become president if you do it. <laughs> because it's, it's happened. Has that happened already? Uh, yeah. Once or maybe twice. <laughs> now, less than a year and a half after his arrest on February 6th, 1874... Jesse Pomeroy was released from Westboro Reformatory and set loose on an unexpected pub- on an unsuspecting public. Because here's the thing: no one thought of warning the neighbors or the police stations that he was set free. Most of them thought the boy with the marble eye had been locked up tight and wouldn't be home until he was at least 18. And that would lead to some horrible consequences, which is where we'll pick up on episode two of Jesse H. Pomeroy. Yeah, if you're gonna let Jesse's girl, if you're gonna let a sexual fiend out into the world, you need to let them know. Like, oh, by the way, uh, you got this to deal with again. It does, yeah. That's, uh, I don't even know what to think about that. <laughs> 
<sighs> America. Damn idiots. Oh. Yeah. Well, I'll say thank you to our patron, our uh, patrons on Patreon, Inquisitor Willow Quinn Fowler, Executioner Ragamondi, and our torture noob MX Sinister Twenty Six. Thank you guys uh, so much. Please go follow us on Instagram, all the other social medias at TorturePod. Email us torturepod at gmail.com. If there's anything you would like for us to cover, or if you have any comments, questions, comments, um, if you have any fan art, again, send us some fan art. I would love to get some fan art. Uh, rate review on Apple, follow, subscribe, wherever you listen, uh, head over to our YouTube page. You can see, you know, little snippets or, uh, you can watch, watch and listen to the entire, uh, podcast on YouTube. If you'd rather do that, um, you can donate to the show on our link tree, which is on our socials, buy us a coffee, buymeacoffee.com slash torture pod, which can also be found on our link tree. Um, go to our Patreon. If you would like to, uh, get episodes early ad-free, uh, promo-free, patreon.com slash torturepod. We also have a few other goodies on there for you. And you can go get merch. If, if you want to wrap your baby up in a sort-your-fucking-life-out onesie, go to redbubble.com slash people slash torturepod. That is the only place you can get one. Say, sort your I mean, fucking wardrobe out. Nowhere else. Get some goddamn t-shirts and shit. <laughs> t-shirts, hats, shower curtains, clocks. Get your t-shirts here. Yeah. Uh, I just have this mental image now of a shirt with Jesse and Gilles de Ray arguing over what to do with a person's butt. Because <laughs> they both like that kind of thing. Just like uh, just like a, a, a street fighter screen where you got all these other people and it's just Jesse Pomeroy versus Gilles de Ray. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> I might make a t-shirt that's a Jesse Pomeroy's babysitting service or some shit like that. Hooey. <laughs> <laughs> you can have one that's all the, the different kind of killer guys and instead of pick your fighter, be like, pick your killer or some shit. Yeah. That'd be cool. I don't know if it would be. <laughs> Thinking about that for a second, I don't know if it would be or not. I guess it depends on who you pick. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway, you got any words of wisdom, no. Dan? Uh, never lick the bottom of your shoes. That is a good one. It's very straightforward. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty, pretty right on. All right. Well, with that, even uh, if they're brand nice. new, people just. Yeah, because even if they're brand new, somebody has probably tried them on and walked on the ground, and I would imagine that the carpet in a shoe store probably isn't all that clean. So, yeah, don't lick the bottom of your shoes or a car tire, that either, which I've done. Imagine <laughs> <So. laughs> just licking your tire. It's like, yeah, tastes legit. You know, teenage yeah, bullshit. That's a car tire. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, what are you doing? I don't know. Did somebody dare <laughs> you to do that? No. Yeah, no. No. <laughs> Uh, all right guys um well uh, dan do you guys have mother's day over there oh sorry i forgot to answer that question earlier on we do it's at a different date um we have father's day and mother's day and different different dates all right yeah um all right but uh again i don't think it's next uh, weekend i can't remember when when it is for us um you're gonna google it mother's day because we share the same dates as the uk for that shit um it was in 
for us it's the 10th of March. So there you go. Oh, okay. So you already had it. Yep. Oh, yep. Okay. I believe ours is. Let me make it sure before I. Yeah, Mother's Day. We so have Father's this comes Day out. coming up. We have oh we have Father's Day and I believe it's June. Um, yeah, same here. So when this episode is released to the public, it is Mother's Day. Uh, thank you to all the mothers out there who are uh, listening. Thank you to my mom and to my wife. Um, tell your Dan, tell your wife Happy Mother's Day. Happy American Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, Ali. Happy Mother's Day, mother, and to everybody else's mother. Except for Jesse's mom, because you know <laughs> you shouldn't have taken him back in. You did a shit job. You did I'm a shit right job. Now. You shouldn't have taken him back in. <laughs> it's the creepiest yeah. thing when you're recording and household. somebody looks up at the camera. <laughs> when somebody looks at the camera, whether it's, it's like it's just weird. All right, guys. Take care. <laughs> you can't. You can't see it, but Tan is literally an inch away from his camera staring at me. Uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of one another, and we'll see you. Uh-huh.